0: And we're back here in with another episode of Peter's Proffer in the courtroom of current events. And today we're hitting a topic that's been asked about by a lot of listeners and a lot of people around. and We have a lot of clients that ask about it. And it's an area that some people think is morbid, but it's very important. We're going to talk about wills and trusts today and what you need in a will to protect yourself, why you have a will, uh, when you should have a will, Um, And what all needs to be in there. So we're going to talk to a will and trust attorney named Christina Green Rankin. She's one of the best around. Um, We use her on a bunch of our uh, nursing home negligence cases and some of our personal injury cases. And we'll explain why um, someone like her is so important in a wrongful death case or if somebody dies in the middle of litigation, what do you do? So, we're going to talk to her about all those topics today. Um, If you guys have anything you want to listen to or hear about, uh, you can hit us up on social media at Tragos Law. You can always send me an email, petertragos at greeklaw.com. And our podcasts are now up on Spotify as well as iTunes and SoundCloud. So, however, you want to listen to it, you should be able to. Um, We want you to subscribe. We want you to like it. We want you to rate the podcast. Um, Give us any comments or constructive criticism that you'd like, um, because we love hearing that stuff and we love making the podcast better every week. So as always, thanks for being with us. Okay, so we've got Christina Green Rankin here with us. Um, And we we share a lot of similarities in our practice because she was born and raised in Clearwater as well. And she also works with her dad in a law firm together. So it's it's a lot of fun talking to Christina about some of the similarities we had coming up. And she is a leader in our local bar association. And that's kind of how we got to know each other a little better as well as working with her on some cases. But where the similarities end is... As I looked up on her website what she puts down there for her resume and, and things that you know clients can look at when evaluating different lawyers, she got four book awards in law school, so she's a lot smarter than I am. So that's kind of where the similarities end. But thank you, Christina, so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Peter. So glad to be here.
0: So in the world of wills and trusts, we're going to kind of break it up and talk about wills first. Um, why do people come to you and ask you, to write a will for them? And is it usually the right time for them to have a will?
1: I think it, it is always a good time, of course, coming from an estate planning attorney, that makes sense. But no matter the stage in life, it's a good idea to contemplate how we want to give away our property if something were to happen to us. So all the way from a young family who maybe wants to think about how to provide for a guardian for their minor child, Maybe they don't have a lot of assets, but they have life insurance or other things they want to state who takes care of that child. All the way up through, you know, the people who are of an older age who may wish to have, you know, a more imminent estate plan in place. And so we have uh, all of that, and all of it can be a really good time.
0: So basically, whether whether you're somebody that has a young family or somebody to leave something to all the way till you're getting close to the end of your days there's a purpose for a will throughout anybody's lifetime. Basically, once you have somebody to leave something to.
1: Exactly. You either have assets or you have people that you care about, then there is a purpose for a will.
0: And and explain really quick what uh, intestate means. If somebody dies, intestate without a will.
1: So intestate means that your property will be distributed to your heirs, in a a formula that is fixed by law and so rather than in a will where you decide who gets what how they get it who administers the estate the law of Florida would apply to your will a lot of people think it means that your property would go to the state and that would be very rare but you would have no control how that property is distributed so the formula in our statute would be what you have if you died intestate without a will
0: are there any extra taxes or fees or anything like that if you don't have a will
1: well you can certainly plan for taxes in a will so our estate tax florida uh the florida estate tax really was related to the federal and now the federal estate tax is at a number that is is uh, greatly increased and and really being intestate may not affect uh taxes for the great percentage of people but for those who Need tax planning. Certainly, wills and trusts are things that we can work uh, tax into, and and should be for some people. The the costs can also be more being intestate if you have to go through probate. If you if you don't plan in advance, there can be additional costs to doing that. If you maybe could have had a trust or other other ways to structure your assets that would not have that increased cost.
0: So I, I see a lot of simple will, uh, samples or things that people can use online as just like an outline of how to write your own simple will. Is that something that you can actually write on your own, just kind of make up your own will and write it out?
1: It is possible. Uh, but I would say that it is important to do it the right way. And oftentimes having, you know, the guidance of a lawyer is incredibly important because more often than not, I have seen wills that have been attempted, and they may not work for one reason or another.
0: What are some common mistakes people make when they try to write their own wills?
1: Uh, I have seen things such as failure to execute them properly. So Florida is a very strict formality state uh, as far as execution of wills. So in some states, you may be able to write a handwritten will and just you know sign it, and that might be okay. Well, Florida, that doesn't work. And so... I have seen cases where there aren't witnesses that, are, that should have been there. Um, other things like failure to ask the what if questions that you know, maybe I have seen over the years to look at. Um, and there can be where maybe I give you know, a dollar to my uh, brother who I really don't get along with. Well, that may not be the best way to disinherit someone. Um, and in fact, can make him a beneficiary of your estate. So there, right. there are things like that that can happen that maybe just don't don't make your document work as well. While it could be legally effective, maybe it's not as effective as you'd like it to be.
0: Or giving something to somebody without a what if of if they predecease you or die before you do, then what do you do Absolutely. with that excess? And and then just that question: what do you do with any excess part of your estate that you haven't accounted for in the will? So it's all these questions that people don't understand the answers to. And it's not just like I leave my house to my kids or I leave my stuff to my kids. While that sounds like a simple will, that's not really everything that it entails. And like you were talking about execution of a will for a layman, that basically means they didn't sign it right. You know, they didn't have enough witnesses. They didn't sign their name at the right piece of paper. They signed it at the beginning, not at the end, whatever it is. You know, people, whenever they try to do legal work on their own or even with like legal Zoom or something like that, it's not the same as asking the questions, and for something that's so important like a will, um, you know that, that's why it's kind of worth seeking the help of an attorney with, and it's not cost preclusive for your will when you have somebody that knows all these answers to questions, and even better than that, they know the questions that you don't know to ask.
1: Exactly. And in Florida, we see that a lot. Even people who come from out of state may have a will that was valid in the state where they lived. But Florida may have a different restriction that is specific to our state. And so having, you know, an experienced Florida attorney is really important because we have so many nuances and and some of them are, are specific to Florida.
0: So I hear people sometimes talk about a simple will. What is the difference between a simple will and a more complex will? Is it anything different than just, you know, I have more property or businesses or things to leave than somebody that just has a bank account? Or is there a different structure to wills that make them simple versus complex?
1: I think that really simple versus complex does depend on the person. I mean, certainly maybe the greater assets that you have, or maybe the beneficiaries you have that have different circumstances may mean that having a will that just isn't, you know, one page, I give my property to X, Y, Z, you know, would, would not be appropriate, but maybe for someone else, they could have, you know, $20 million and they want to leave it all to a charity. That probably could be a simple will. And so not always is it based on the amount of money a person has or, or even you know, the beneficiaries, but even a will where you say, well, I want to leave everything to my children. Well, how old are your children? Well, they're four and six. Well, we probably don't want that to be you know, just a will that we leave to them. Perhaps we need to think about what happens if they aren't yet of age if you were to pass away. So sometimes something that seems simple may not be in the end, although you'd still consider it a simple will. When you get to really complex wills, you know, you, you think of that, I think of that as like estate tax planning or, you know, multiple trusts, that type of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So what happens when, you know, either somebody tries to do it themselves or cut some corners? What happens if you set up your will, you think you've, all, you've got it all right, you've got all the money going everywhere that you want it to, but you don't execute it properly or you don't answer what-if questions? What happens when you die and you think that everything's going to flow through your will as you thought it was?
1: Well, I think... It, it could end up in litigation. Sometimes that happens where there may be an ambiguity or maybe there's you know you could become partially intestate where you have a will, but maybe it doesn't cover everything. Um, it's possible that the statute would apply to to govern that. But most often it would be that perhaps the intentions aren't carried out fully and then we have to go back and and look at the the statutes and the law that. That would tell us what happens in that case.
0: So everything you work for basically is getting decided by someone else where it goes as opposed to you having the opportunity to decide yourself while you're alive in creating the will. Exactly. Okay, so another scenario. What happens, because you know we've seen this before, unfortunately, but what happens when somebody's worth $100 million and they're 45 years old, everyone's healthy, everything's good, and they all of a sudden die without a will does it just go to their family or are there all sorts of people that come and try to fight to get that money?
1: Well, we have seen it in some of the celebrities who have passed away without wills. Mm-hmm. You know, people will come come from the woodwork com- because not only would it be beneficiaries, but also even people who might try may try to make a claim or, you know, some creditors,
0: other, right, other,
1: exactly, creditors who can be out there. So, uh, you know, it, it's very interesting to read read these uh, situations when they're such high-profile people, uh, but it, it definitely can happen.
0: So, yeah, and it can really be a nightmare if you don't protect yourself with something that, that is, I mean, they call it a simple will for a reason. It can be really simple in a piece of paper to protect what you have, even if it's a little, even whether it's a little or a lot, you still want to make the decision where your money goes at the end. W- what is the difference between a, a will and a trust?
1: So a will, and and I think you you can have something that is truly simple and we handle a lot of that you know for our clients who maybe don't need something that is you know 15 pages long or 30 pages long it is possible and I think a lot of people are are concerned if they come to an attorney that it's going to be overly complex and I think when you talk to your attorney you know you you let them know what what really you're looking for and how you want to address these issues And, and our job is to try and draft something that effectuates your intent and but does that in a legal way that will will work. Um, One option for people uh, who may have assets that are a bit greater um, would be a trust and the trust is used to one avoid probate which you hear you know of the court process of, of probating a will so the will doesn't avoid going through probate a trust if it's properly drafted and funded may help you doing that. Um, so a trust can be used to transfer property into this a an, an legal entity that's created and that document can set out like a will who gets what when you pass away, but it also can help during your lifetime. So sometimes you hear the term living trust, mm-hmm. which means that it's a lifetime document. So if you become incapacitated or, you know, you become disabled and you can't manage your own affairs, the trustee that you name to step in your shoes can do that for you as well. And so the greater the assets you have, the more it may make sense to have a trust because it is more costly to go through probate in general, the greater your assets. But that's not the only reason, you know, some people who have maybe not as many assets may still find a trust beneficial if they have, you know, something where they have someone who may be disabled or they themselves may have a health issue where they think they needed to delegate their management of their affairs that can be done very effectively through a trust.
0: So do a lot of people have, I guess, if they have more assets, do they have trusts and wills and does their will reference their trust and things like that?
1: Yes, exactly. So a lot of times if you come in and you have, um, you know, X number of dollars and you say, well, I'm interested in having a trust, the trust may be the primary document in your estate plan, but you would always have a will that goes with it. And that would generally be called a pour over will. So it's like pouring a glass of water or from a pitcher into a glass of water. The will would pour whatever you have that was left that you hadn't put into your trust into your trust when you pass away. Uh, the, and the will also usually will take effect on tangible property, things like your personal effects, your car, and, uh, and those types of things. And also it can have you know directions about your cremation or burial, all sorts of you know, things that are still really relevant that take place in the will.
0: So, so basically these are two documents that help you plan for the future. And in your opinion, I guess, as somebody who does this every day, are you of the, um, is it your advice to do this long before you need it? Or is it better off to do it once you have your assets in place and you know what you need to put into your will? You know, when is kind of the best time for someone that, you know, is graduating college, just starting a job or just starting a family, things like that. When is the best time for them to start discussing planning of this nature? Because it's definitely not when they're you know, close to the end, retired and, you know, starting to get sick because then you could have a capacity issue, issue which we can talk right. about. But what, when is kind of the best time to start looking into this and seeing whether or not you need a will or a trust?
1: I would say the sooner the better. and And I actually have met with children of clients of mine uh, who are you know just turning 18 even and maybe we don't even create a will although certainly that wouldn't be a bad idea you know there there could be the need to have other documents like powers of attorney or designation of healthcare surrogate living wills things that apply to everybody no matter what your asset level is or whether you have children or other family members so I think at least having that initial appointment and, and making, you know, starting a relationship with someone, we may start out with something very simple, simple will and those power of attorneys and documents that are important for lifetime management. And eventually, you know, you could have more than one trust or other documents as part of your plan.
0: Yeah. And I think actually that's a, that's a good idea for probably another podcast to talk about powers of attorney and healthcare surrogates, because, it seems like it's becoming more prevalent than ever that, that those documents are being put into place. But yeah. w- while we're here talking about these topics, I, I do want to mention So, what how Christina and our firm work together a lot is in some of these cases where either there's a wrongful death or impending death or some kind of setup to where we need to set up an estate for one of our clients. A common question we get is, What happens to my case if I die? Or what happens to my mother's case if she dies while we're litigating the case? Does the case just go away? Do we lose at that point? Is that one of the reasons the defense delays so much? So why don't you talk about what do you do in a case when uh, a plaintiff or somebody that has a cause of action dies? How do we work together to keep that going?
1: Sure. So when a plaintiff passes away, there is a legal process of opening an estate and allowing for the substitution of your personal representative, a lot of people know that as executor, uh, to be appointed by the court, and that person through the estate process can then work with Peter to continue your case or your loved one's case on that deceased person's behalf. And it may, you know, it may be that the case is continued. It may be that it becomes a wrongful death case, just depending on the type of of the reason for the the passing but certainly the estate is there and the law is there to allow for that substitution and so there would be two cases there would be your estate case which is in the probate court where that that appointment happens and then once the person is appointed then that representative can go and basically stand in the shoes of the person who passed away and work with Peter and his team t- to make that happen.
0: So, what, what happens to, well, let's start with how, how do you choose who the personal representative is? And you can answer both whether the, the plaintiff is still alive when they're setting up this process and planning for the future, or when the plaintiff has already passed away, when the plaintiff has already passed away and they are um, uh, setting up the, the estate after the death.
1: So if if you have a chance to plan, and I think it's always a good idea, especially if, if you do have ongoing litigation, that's something that we actually include in our wills in general is, you know, making sure that we have those powers, you know. But uh, as far as picking someone, that would be through the will. And so in your will, you nominate who would be your personal representative. When you think about that, who is the best person to represent you in collecting your assets, paying your debts? And making, you know, distribution on your behalf, and including representing you in in a lawsuit and being able to be that party. Um, if if there is no will, and the person has passed away, then those same set of statutes that talk about intestacy, about who is to be the person who receives the estate, also talk about who is the person who has preference to be the person appointed as personal representative. So depending on the circumstance, we would look through and and see, okay, is there a surviving spouse? Are, if not, are there children or other people who are related by blood that maybe have a preference to serve? And then that person has to be willing to serve, of course. And so we have to find out if, if they're willing to serve and then prepare documents to ask the court to appoint the person who has preference.
0: So what happens to, to settlement funds then in that type of situation? Say the the... Plaintiff is awarded $100,000, but they died in the litigation process and we had to open up an estate. What happens to that $100,000? How does it flow?
1: Well, it, it does depend on the, the type of case. If it's one where it was an continu- ongoing litigation and it's really an asset of the estate, then the money would be paid into an account that is owned by the estate and it would be distributed in accordance with the will. Um, and so then the, so it
0: becomes an asset that's distributed by the will.
1: It can, right. Now, if it's, if it's a wrongful death case, something like that, then there may be survivors who take a portion of it and so forth. So that, that becomes a little bit more complex as far as the exact devolution of those things. But, uh, in general, if it's an estate asset, then the will would, the will would take effect.
0: So basically when you're, when you're dealing with setting up wills or trusts, but for the most part, when you're talking about wills, it doesn't just uh, it doesn't just act as a document that um, says where your possessions go so it can control so many different things that may happen in the future which is why when you're talking about it, it's better to jump on that sooner rather than later because you never know when a personal injury case or wrongful death case is going to come you never know when you're going to add a trust that then is going to have to have a pour-over effect with the will that you already have. You never really know when these things are going to happen in the future. So when you when you meet with and talk to somebody like Christina, when they know how to set up um, the documents that you need to put into place to, to protect you going forward, it can really protect you from things that you don't even know are going to happen. So, uh, Christina, how often do you see that you know somebody comes in And it's so much later on in the process than it should be, or they come in after their husband or their wife die, and then they want to set up a will because they saw how difficult it was to go through the process without a will.
1: Very often. I would say a great percentage of my clients who come in for the estate of a loved one will come back and talk with me about wills or trusts because they've seen the process and they understand firsthand what what they've experienced, and so definitely that's something that we can address. And you're exactly right. And I think that going back to what are the common errors, I think seeing wills where maybe you know someone writes out all the property they have when they write it. Well, we can write a will that takes in consideration assets that are in the future or even you know lawsuits things that can happen that
0: or children that may come in the future
1: exactly that's right we can define children to include future born children and that's a common question actually you know what if i have another child do we have to come back and change our will well not necessarily depending on how the will is drafted and if your intent is to include that child then we can draft it so that the child is included
0: what are some of the questions like that? What are some of the questions that you ask when you're drafting a will for somebody and some things that they don't usually think of?
1: I think one of the the most difficult is the the what if, you know, well I want to give my estate to, you know, my my three adult children. Well what happens if it happens if something happens to one of them? Where does that share go? And all of the things that flow from that. You know, I think a lot of times we don't think about that. We just think about the natural order of things, you know, well, of course my children will survive me. Well, we have to think about that in a will because it could be that we've created a document and then you're unable to change it after a life event has happened. So, you know, when you're thinking through how you want to draft things, thinking about what is the scenario now, but also trying to, we can't, of course, predict the future, but thinking about those alternatives, um, and, and how do we how do we make sure that we address to the extent we can those possibilities?
0: So how how much of your time would you say? Because I think people would would probably think the opposite. How much of your time would you say in these initial meetings talking about a will? Do you talk about somebody's assets versus somebody's decisions like that? You know what what if, what if the what if questions? You know who do you want to give it to? Right. Dealing with family dynamics because there are a lot of people that you know as shocking as it sounds don't want this brother or this child or this parent or uncle or somebody to get the portion of money that, you know, maybe the intestate statutes or rules would push that money in that direction. A lot of people don't want the same thing or just to flow naturally, you know, in equal shares to all five of my kids.
1: Exactly. I would say a, a much greater percentage goes toward the what if question. The assets Are really important especially maybe you own a business or you know you have a special asset that we want to consider and make a specific gift you know we need to know all of that to do a good job but really I feel my job is to try and ask the what-if questions that maybe you haven't thought about so that we can draft a document that really is what you intend Um, and so we spend a lot of time going through all of those wishes like I say all the way from you know, the very first things in the will about, you know, burial or cremation. Those are things that people sometimes haven't thought about. We will ask that question because it's something that may be important to consider all the way down through, you know, who gets what and who administers it and how do you want your family to receive these things? Do you want, you know, when, when they turn 18, do they get everything out right or do we have some sort of trust even within a will, even within a simple will, we can address, you know, minors and, and that type of thing where they're not going to receive something before before a certain age. So all of those things go in, go into the process.
0: So what, what would be one piece of advice you'd give to somebody that's considering looking into the process of starting or drafting a will?
1: I would say don't be afraid to ask questions. And because there's so much that May not be clear. Ask the questions and continue to ask questions until you feel comfortable that the documents are what you want them to be. Uh, and and to me, and being open and honest with what your intentions are, and also you know your assets and your family, those things. That open line of communication is is really important. And just making sure that you really look into how how you want to to pass your assets if you were to pass away.
0: Yeah, I think it's somebody, it's something that, you know, I know my parents uh, growing up did it a long time ago, but my mom always hated talking about it, never wanted to go, never wanted to go to the meetings with my dad, who's an over-preparer. And, you know, she never wanted to talk about dying or cremation or whether they're going to get buried or whatever. You know, she hated those types of conversations, but it's important to have to set up and make sure you're protecting your you know, future generations with your assets and things. So if anybody's considering it or thinking about it or wants to you know, have some questions answered, Christina's always easily reachable, 727-441-8813. Um, you can ask for her. She'll answer all your questions, and she'll be able to help you no matter what type of situation you're dealing with or what point in your life that you're at. Um, and Christina, thanks so much for coming on. It was fun.
1: Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. We'll talk to you later.
1: Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.